time for the latest in sports debate. The hottest topics, the biggest question marks, answered right now. This is The Critical Eye with Erie Sports Now's Isaac Petcash. Well, it has been a hiatus of epic proportions. Goodness, I can't remember the last time I was in this seat. But we are back, friends. We are back with a frenzy. It is the Critical Eye Podcast once again. Great to be back in the saddle with you all, wherever you may be listening, however you might be taking in this next hour or so in the Happy 927 studios at Erie News Now. Whether you're on Apple Podcasts, whether you're on Amazon, whether you're on Spotify, we're glad you're taking a bit of your day with us. It is Tuesday, Wednesday, I should say, July 13th. See, it's been so long, I'm getting my days mixed up, and... uh, This Wednesday, John, in the middle of July would normally be just another sports day, but it is day one of NHL free agency and with so much going on with the Pittsburgh Penguins, some stuff going on with the Buffalo Sabres and just all kinds of other craziness to talk about. We figured we'd bring the podcast back this summer to kind of take a break from the football aspect and move to hockey because, John, uh, what a 24 hours. Let's start with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the, I think, shock of last night, late last night, right around midnight, of Genny Malkin re-signing four years by six point one million, the contract finally gets agreed upon. I don't think there was a surprise that he wanted to re-sign, but I'll tell you what, it looked like he wasn't going to stay. But they finally get the deal done. What do you make? of Malkin returning back to Pittsburgh. I was stunned. I was getting yeah. ready for the 11 o'clock news, and all of a sudden I get this, get a notification, an email from the Penguins uh, brass that he has re-signed, and, and luckily I was able to put something together to get it on the show. But um, what I make of it, it's the right thing. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a signing in any sport where universally, and we should never judge our people's responses by the way they react on social media but but twitter specifically last night was rejoicing yeah i mean the fact that everybody was on the same page on a social media platform man my goodness right if we could take some of that and put that into other parts of life good lord we could maybe accomplish a lot but um (laughs) i mean you saw that and from a nostalgia from a nhl historic perspective it's the right signing if you look at it overall, and, and this was a big, big note. Uh, this I did not know at the time of the sh- signing, but uh, John Shannon of Sportsnet in Canada put this out that evidently league officials and league executives for all these teams are expecting a major salary cap jump for the, the ceiling in 2024. So everybody looks at last night and goes, oh my goodness. They sign these long-term deals. The Penguins going to be competitive. They're going to be handcapped like the Tampa Bay Lightning for years to come. Well, next year they have $23 million, and their biggest uh, unrestricted free agents are Jason Zucker and Tristan Jari. You have a couple of, you know, Brian Dumoulin would be the other one, the third one there, but his game's not trending in the right direction as of now. Um, and then if you make a major jump by that, you you could, you know, have yourself with quite a bit of cap space. Uh, I like, I, I had pegged to, uh, a couple of people here, I said, if it's below six and a half, I'm okay with it. Obviously, that fourth year, and it's not it's a 35-plus contract, um, which, is, which means that if Malkin were to retire before the end of the contract, the full cap hit, depending on how many seasons. So if he retired after this season, 
the next three years, that 6.1 would stay on the books. Um, so the fact that they got it done, I mean, you have to, in some sense, give Ron Hextall at least a tip of the cap. Oh, the fact goodness, that he yes. got uh, arguably four of, of the top uh, 30, 35 free agents that would have gone to market under the cap for 22 and change. That's a that's a heck of a deal. Now, the Malkin, I, I think we're all going to know, but that fourth year you know, ever, that everybody's focused on, I think we know that's going to be the end of uh, the window, at least for this core. Now, again, they could use first-round picks the next couple of years and just keep it going. Yeah, That's not probably likely to be the case, but you never know how things work out. And it, if it does work out that way, that means management's done a good job. Um, it, it has not been well-received from, from the national uh, media and or some others, um, especially in the analytics community. Well, let's let's first of all break down what you talked about with Ron Hextall. And I think up until last night, reading Twitter, his head was on the chopping block in Pittsburgh. I mean, there were reporters and individuals who cover the team in that area who had said, I don't know how he makes it out of the free agent period. I don't know how he makes it through this next season. I don't know how Pittsburgh decides to keep him after what he had made. And I think the Mulgan drama and all of the weeks leading up to this contract negotiation, I think that was part of the reason why that Pittsburgh said he probably wasn't coming back. I mean, if you remember... This was a contract negotiation that really started in 2019, right around the time um, that the Penguins were in the midst of that uh, 2019 season, trying to make that deep playoff run, then COVID hits. And of course, there were a lot of contract talks that got put on the books. So it started three years ago, then gets put on hold for two years. And and I think you have to give Hextel credit, because like John was mentioning, he gets Evgeny Malkin, Ricard Raquel, as well as uh, Chris Letang, And Brian Rust Rust for $22 million a year. That is, in the likes of today's NHL, that's incredible. I mean, and and here's my frustration with the national media. You know, the national media is going to go off and they're going to say, "Eh, this Penguin team is too old and they're just doing things based off nostalgia. Well, I understand that. But Evgeny Malkin is coming off a 42-point season and 41 games played. All right, here's my question to the national media or to people who think that that Malkin's too old. If Genny Malkin is a number two center on any other team, he'd probably be a number one center, if not a number two A. Who else are you going to get in free agency? The only player that we thought, you, John, John and I, that the Penguins could realistically get for Evgeny Malkin that would make sense would be Vinny Trocek. He just signed for seven years in New- seven years, and he said that seventh year was pivotal in where he was going to. That start. is an insane contract. So if if you look at the way that this went down for Pittsburgh, are they an old team? Yes, but at the same time, you have to consider production. Malkin was a point per game player in the season that he had, albeit short because of injury. Sidney Crosby is still averaging over a point per game as a top center. As much as I understand that. You want to try to get younger, and I know a lot of teams are comparing this Penguin franchise to Detroit, right? When and, you know, f- ten years ago, when they had those string of first-round exits and then had to rebuild. Pittsburgh's problem in last year's playoffs, it wasn't the offense; they were scoring. They had two problems, and that was goaltending, with of course the injury to Jari and DeSmith and Louis Domingue, who now is on the Rangers, had the issue, and special teams. They couldn't figure out figure out on special teams. So, I, I mean. 
you have to consider the production. You have to consider also what Hextall brought them back on. And to me, this is a team that you can at least say is still together and still productive to at least make a playoff run of some sort. I was describing it to someone off the air earlier today before the whole frenzy started, you know, and, and obviously dollars are being handed out like, you know, Halloween candy today. Uh, again, there's a lot of ifs, and I think it, most people with their franchises, if they're in a, a, in a quality state, would say, well, if all this happens, my team's going to win the championship. Ricardo Kell came in and showed in, thir- in 19 games he had 13 points, including four goals. If he goes with Crosby, you move Russ down with Malkin, or you move – uh, get you know I think Gensel is going to stay with Crosby. I think it's hard to right. to push him off that right. uh, that stoop with Crosby. But you look at Raquel and Crosby, Gensel, Rust, Malkin, and if finally Jason Zucker can can play a mostly we, a healthy season, we would hope that's that's a heck of a, a top six. Top six. Now the the issue is going to be the bottom six, and that's where they they fell into it. And think about it. I mean Jari, yes, obviously the series against the Islanders bad. The bubble year, I mean, you can you could toss that up to whatever. I mean, it's hard for teams to have a layoff, and I'm not making it making it sound like I'm trying to find excuses. I I would challenge any team in the National Hockey League. You saw what happened to Nashville, who had UC Soros as a Vesna finalist, and what happened to them. Granted, they've lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions in round one. If we would have taken every other team in the National Hockey League and put their third goalie in, how many of them would have been playing to Game Seven? Of a series against the team that made the conference final. Yeah, I, 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 you know, so I mean, the Penguins of, of all the years they would sit there and you know we loved our game, you know we thought that, that we played the game the right way. You would sit there and be like, well, you know, I don't think they were the better. The Penguins, in without a doubt in my mind, were the better team in that series. And Again, the stats showed it and, five and, on five, yeah, and, and they just needed somebody that you saw from a Vasilevsky type. I'm not saying Tristan Jari is Tri- Andre Vasilevsky, but to come up with just that one save that would have proved the pivotal point of the series to close things out. They didn't get that. So, I, I mean, again, running it back, yes. But here's here's the thing. You know, and I was, I was talking to you earlier today when we saw the movement that Ottawa was making. Sometimes when you try to revamp an entire team, it doesn't always work out. I mean, we're looking, we're comparing two sports here. But look at what Miami Marlins have done, the San Diego Padres multiple occasions over the last decade, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, some of these teams, the NFL, that'll go out and spend, the Jaguars. You've seen other teams go out and spend big money. to. They're gonna, they have all this cap space, and they're going to revamp their roster. And then all of a sudden, the next year, they don't make the playoffs, and everybody's questioning, and then there's buyouts and dead money and, and, and you know ramifications for down the road. Is it all that bad? I mean, my, th- think what we say, and again, we're talking about an older player in Evgeny Malkin. We're not talking about a 28-year-old coming off knee surgery. But isn't everybody usually better two years removed? And he couldn't train all. Like, like I think that's what we forget is he could not train all offseason last season because he was recovering. His, his training was not there. It was rehab. I'm not saying Evgeny Malkin's going to find the fountain of youth of 2009 where he took over playoffs but if you look at it he was top 10 in five on five uh play in the national hockey league last year well the other thing you have to consider too with the penguins and this has been to me one of my frustrations when an outsider someone who doesn't follow the team like you and i do look at this team and they look at the squad and they say 
It's Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and everybody else is just theater. The last three years for Pittsburgh and their playoff runs dating back to COVID, it has not been Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin who have been the perennial playoff scorers. It's been Jake Gensel. It's been Brian Rust. Ricard Raquel comes in last year. He has a heck of a year. Um, you know, in, in the two Stanley Cup championship years, it was the third line, right? We forget Hanglin Benito Kessel was, to me, a large part of the reason why they won the Cup. So as important as the guys like Crosby and Malkin are, and I think you need to have them, I don't think you need to expect Malkin to come back this season and have a 60, 70, 80-point season. He's going to have a combination of Ricard Raquel, Brian Ross, Jake Gensel, or Jason Zucker on the line with him. Those guys are paid, and they're paid handsomely for a reason. Brian Russ didn't get re-signed just to be a, a nice little guy who scores 10 goals alongside Mulkin. He's your goal scorer. Jason Zucker coming back from injury. You'd have to think he's going to be a goal scorer too. So, you know, Mulkin coming back doesn't mean that he's the guy who has to score the 40 or 50 goals anymore. If he can give you 20 goals, if he can give you 50 points, if he can give you that 30, 40 assist like he's capable of doing, this is a team that can go very far in the top six. And you mentioned earlier with the bottom six, right? The bottom six has still some yet to be desired. Jeff Carter's going to be there. Can he produce like he couldn't last season? For all the people in the national media and other people who say, well, the Penguins have to get younger, they have to try to avoid a full-scale rebound rebuild in a couple of years, here's your chance with the bottom six. Redeem Zahorna is likely going to make the lineup next year. How about you get a guy like Pullian, a guy like Legeray, those guys from uh, the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins in the AHL, you bring them up, you let them play with Jeff Carter, you let them play with Teddy Bluger, and you give them the chance that guys like Gensel and Rust and Zach Aston Reese when he was with the team was, and Connor Sheary when he was with the team. That's how the Penguins won the Stanley Cup back-to-back years in 16-17. And at some point, you have to give them an opportunity because you know this is coming down the road. But I don't think that discloses you from not being able to re-sign Malkin like they did. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, too, you look at what Tampa Bay did. That's what they did, an influx of youth with Sorelli's and and Chernax and some of those guys stepping in. And hey, is it a bad thing that you can bring guys? Maybe they're never going to be top six guys, Legare and Pouillon's. Their you know first and third round pick in twenty I believe that was twenty nineteen, uh, but if they become third line players and they can sc- they have a scoring touch, uh, you know what I mean. So obviously the Penguins still have moves to make. They still need to get a, a bottom six forward or two because Drew O'Connor is going to that bottom line is going to be a, probably a combination of, of uh, Valeri Pustin and uh, Drew O'Connor, Teddy Bluger, Redeem Sahorna. I I would imagine unless they can sign multiple forwards i think they're going to be able to get one more forward uh that'll probably go in the third line with jeff carter and then if somehow kasperi kapan is still on, on this roster uh with his qualifying offer um that makes up your third line and then you have brock uh, i i'm forgetting brock, brock again as well um uh, you know so there's going to be some competition and, and i think that's good um uh, listen i'm not sitting here saying this penguins team is there, is going to win another cup do I think the ingredient? I, you know, I here's how I took the approach over the last 24 hours of I'm going to ask people because again, you know, w- when you're when you have watched the team growing up, um, you want to see if you're looking through it in an objective glass. And I still uh, talk to people that that have been around the league or have followed the league for a long time, and they said, you know, they still have the ingredients to make a run. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shy. I mean, we saw the Dallas Stars go to the Stanley, 
Stanley Cup final a right. couple of years ago and, and that. So, I mean, it's not like it's out of the question. Jan Ruda, a big signing to go along uh, and maybe in the top four, an experienced veteran. Obviously, Marino, Pedersen, or Dumoulin, one of those three is probably on, on their way out. Um, but now you get P.O. Joseph. See what he – I mean, I, I think the combination of youth with these veterans, I still don't see a better one-two combination. Well, I, I don't want to say that. <laughs> because <laughs> you, McDavid you and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl and, there and, and then those guys in, in Colorado aren't. But, yeah. like, with as much ex- experience, yes, they, they have failed in the last – Five plus seasons, but so did Tampa Bay for how long? Stamkos didn't get to a Stanley Cup final till fifteen. He was in the league for six years. They didn't win it until you know ten plus years into the league. It's hard to win the Stanley Cup. No, and, and as we're going to get to in a few minutes, the Eastern Conference as of today is ex- extremely better, much better, I should say, than it was even twenty four hours ago. And here's the other thing, too, with Pittsburgh is during this entire run with Crosby and Malkin, they've been a streaky team. I think that's one of the things we we forget. They've been consistent in making the playoffs, but this is not a team that is going to always get to the conference final or the Stanley Cup final. We forget to remember that up until 2008, 2007 through 2009, the two Stanley Cup runs, those first three seasons were rocky. They barely made the playoffs and were swept by Ottawa the first time that they made it there. Uh, and, and then you also have to figure in, too, between 2010 and 2016, what was it? It was a ser- uh, perennial series of first and second round exits. You sandwiched in a conference final sweep to Boston in 2013. They struggled. And albeit, yeah, they were seven to eight years younger, but it was it was the same sort of team. You get Crosby and Malkin down the middle. You get a bunch of snipers on the wings. Uh, James Neal was the big guy there in the middle for Pittsburgh when they had that run in the early 2010s. But this team has struggled before for long stints of time. They figure it out. And I think this is now going to be on Ron Hextall, whether it's calling up players, whether it's making another trade, whether it's finding somebody else to find those guys to compliment around Crosby and Malkin. And that's what he's done, I think, at least with re-signing Rust and re-signing Raquel. And you also have to consider, too, that there are other guys in that mix that you'll throw in as well. While we're staying on the topic of the Penguins, John, talking about the defense uh, Pittsburgh, I think, right now has nine defensemen that are under Correct. contract. They're going to have to move at least one of them. They have a lot of rights on defensemen. Tell me this is a pipe dream, or at least give me some credibility that this could happen. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the last few weeks about the Vancouver Canucks and the potential to get rid of JT Miller. As we know, a very speedy winger can play center two if need be. Uh, he's due a big contract. He had a career season last year. Vancouver needs defensemen. Pittsburgh needs to get rid of defensemen, and they need cap space to sign a nice player. Is that a potential that Pittsburgh could look at J.T. Miller to Van, uh, from Vancouver? I think it's only potential if you're making multiple trades, if you're Pittsburgh, and the fact that you're going to probably move Jason Zucker out, uh, and then you would have, along with maybe Casper Kapan, and then you'd have to move a defenseman. Uh, I don't see it highly likely, um, but I, I don't know. I just think those big swing swing uh go for the fences kind of kind of thing is not ron hextall's forte i think he's you know a a proven commodity that's going to provide a lot of production but he's not going to go big big game hunting like that he's he once known it's almost like the steelers philosophy i mean like if you look at this offseason that's the funny part like i thought about in the last 24 hours is similar is 
everybody credits and like commends the Steelers when they pay their own and they you go get their guys and some of those guys yes more recently have taken bigger deals you know record setting deals but they sign their own the Penguins sign their own no matter what the age and it's like my goodness what are we doing here these GMs need to go you know so it, it's just interesting how how different people in different sports um yeah I, but JT Miller I just think it's going to be hard um to, to try and get that done um knowing Ron Hextall wants to compete, and I think he's put some pe- uh, some big pieces in place to compete. But I also think he's going to be want to be a guy moving forward that he's going to want to keep that first round pick because, according to some, I mean, the Penguins' first round pick and Owen Pickering could be a, a pivotal part of their future right. two, three, four years down the road. Well, the fact that he is a first round pick, I mean, how many years have we sat at this table and not talked about a first two round and nine pick? years? Right. So two and nine years, and you also have to look at the future for Pittsburgh if if you have people who are worried about the future. The Penguins have their first-round pick for at least the next three years. They have not made any trades that would nullify or take away that first-round pick. You look just into 2023, all but their third-round pick are still there, and they acquired a seventh from Toronto and Florida in a couple of smaller trades. Uh, The Kapanen trade, they got the seventh-round pick in. Uh, for 2023, but you got draft picks, right? 2024, as of now, you have your full complement. 2025, you have your full complement. Owen Pickering's a huge guy, could potentially play really well in the top six in the next few years. In terms of defensemen, John, is there one in particular you think they're going to have to get rid of? I I think we all want it to be Pedersen, but it seems more and more like John Marino is going to be the guy who has to go. Yeah, I was going to say, you look at the pileup, on the right side of the defensive, you got Ligris Latang obviously leading that core, and you've got John Marino, Chad, Ru- John, John, I think I just combined a couple of names there. John <laughs> Marino, Chad Ruedel, Mark Friedman, and that, now the addition of Jan Ruda from Tampa Bay. Uh, I think John Marino is going to be the likely man out because you'll have Dumoulin, Matheson, and um, PO, POJ, and uh, who am I missing on the other side? Um, Pedersen. Pedersen would be the other one. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I would think signs point to John Marino because I don't think you're you're not really creating the space that you need by moving a Mark Friedman or Chad Ruedel uh, anywhere. So uh, I think Marino maybe is the guy pointing, but who knows? Um, you know, I just think if I look at, at what the Penguins have done, I think they're still in a better place, and I know I'm going to – you know, there's going to be plenty in the minority that think that the Penguins... Now listen, if it ends up the Penguins and the Rangers are facing off and Vincent Trocek, you know, hey, fit, you know, 2020 or, or what's the old saying? Uh, hindsight's 2020 right. now, you know. But this this is the right thing to do. Think of all the backlash and, uh, and that that the Penguins took in the early 2000s for letting Yager walk and Kovalev walk and all those guys. If well, they don't win another cup... But this this legacy of this group stays together. How was that a bad? What like look at the shower of praise. The Steelers were terrible in terms of the playoff production, which I'm not making excuses for them either. But the fact that Ben Roethlisberger on that night got to ride off at Heinz Field with a win over the Browns, but stayed his whole career in Pittsburgh. It it, it was praised. So why why all of a sudden is it like oh my god if the Penguins don't win another Stanley Cup? This is still single-handedly the greatest era of Penguins hockey all time. Well, and not only that, it's more successful than the Steelers' 21st century era. I mean, they've won more championships. They've had more success. They've made the playoffs, of course, for over a decade and a half. 
I mean, at this point, another championship would be all gravy, right? You've already won three Stanley Cups. You're a perennial playoff team. And not only that, your stars always perform. There have been seasons where Crosby and Malkin have struggled in the playoffs. I think the, you know, the 2015 season at the beginning was a struggle with Mike Johnson there as a head coach. Other than that, you can't pinpoint years where this team just struggled to find any success or consistency. And, and I'll tell you what, um, I, I know they're an old team. We know that they're going to play in a competitive metropolitan division, but I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are still in it. I think they still have a run left in them, and Evgeny Malkin's going to be there along with Chris Letang and, of course, Sidney Crosby, who's under contract for three more years. Okay, before we get to the rest of the NHL, John, let's talk quickly about the Buffalo Sabres because we don't want to leave them out either. They get a couple of somewhat decent signings today, including one I, I thought was interesting. They get Ilya Labushkin to bolster their forward this guy, to me, was underrated in Toronto, and I think he mm-hmm. potentially could come into a Buffalo team that's very young and be successful. Buffalo also gets some goalie help. Uh, what do you make of their signings today? You know, I think it was interesting. You look at, at Labushkin, I think that's a nice—I I likened it to the fact that it's a better Colin Miller. Colin yeah. Miller had a nice, quiet career in Buffalo. Uh, I think they move on from him at this point, but but Labushkin can add—he's a, he's a mobile defenseman um, that I think can, can really provide something on that back end to go along— with some of those young pieces, you know, uh, that they, they've provided there, mainly, obviously, the uh, first overall selection in Rasmus Dahlin. Um, Comrie uh, coming in, Eric Comrie, the goaltender. Um, stability kind of reminds me of a better Carter Hutton. Come, you know, journeyman, played 20 games last year, 920 save percentage, you know, 2-8, I believe, uh, looking at it here. Um, 2-5-8 goals against, so... so Decent numbers. You're not going to see him, hopefully, you know, going out. But if he splits time, say, you know, 43, you know, 30 with with uh, Craig Anderson, I think the more concerning note is that they don't feel it's right yet, even still, for Ukapeka Luokanen um, to come up. Uh, and then I think they overpaid a little bit for Victor Olsen. Uh, yeah. I, I think you had to keep him, but... But to me, he is the the latest um, Thomas version of Thomas Vanek, a power play specialist that that really doesn't create much more for you. And I understand goals are a premium, and you're going to have to pay. But but almost five million a year for a guy that had 20 goals, and I I could probably, without looking, tell you 16 to 18 of those came on the power play. Um, a little much, but Buffalo is in this situation where they can maybe overextend a tad because they're they're paying a lot of young players. And the other thing, too, with, with Buffalo, they're in an interesting situation because I, I still think, and I think you think, too, they're probably at least a year away, if not maybe two, from being a playoff contender or at least a Stanley Cup contender. But, you know, they have $20 million in cap space right now, but the interesting thing is when you look at next year how many restricted free agents and UFAs are going to have to sign, Kyle Laposo is due up. He's at $6 million. Uh, you go down the list, Zemgis Jurgensen's, Vinny Hinnestroza, and then Andres Bjork, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, RLFAs, Rasmus Osplund's an RFA. The defense is still mainly there, but... I mean, if, if you're Buffalo, it's the big question of do you bring all your guys up? Do you bring up Pekka Loken? And do you try to compete this year knowing how many people you're going to have to resign next season? It, it's a big question mark. And I think that's maybe what the Labushkin signing at least signifies, that they're willing to try to get out and get some depth players to be able to score goals. But Buffalo's in an interesting spot because it's really a year where they can go one way or the other. And it seems like they're trying to compete 
but you wonder how much cap space they're going to want to save knowing that next year, if they want to keep their team intact, they're going to have to resign a lot of guys. Well, the biggest thing for Buffalo, their biggest success of next year is how much the development of these young players uh, takes a step forward. I mean, if, if, if Darlene, Owen Power, we're forgetting he's going to be there. If they don't take the step forwards, and Owen Power is going to be in his first full season, so, I mean, you know, he's still going to be learning. But if Darlene doesn't take a huge step forward and some of these other guys, Tage Thompson's got to continue what he did this past season. Yeah. Um, you know, Dylan Cousins got to continue to produce. Um, but again, I look, liken this team to a guy that's now moved on but had the same draft class and they got their big star as the Edmonton Oilers. If they don't get their goalie here i mean we we can safely say that craig anderson at 42 years old and uh eric comrie they just signed are not going to be the goalies of the next decade no, no. if the biggest concern for them is that if ukapekaluokanen does not surplant one of these two this season there's serious questions and they have devin levi um, that was playing in college hockey who had a great season uh was in consideration for the hobie baker award if that's their guy, great. But if they don't get a goalie, it's not going to matter. I mean, they could bring in every goal scorer known to man. It's not going to matter. And the funny, the interesting thing is if you look ahead to next offseason, there's a lot of goal scorers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the biggest thing will be for Buffalo, take that step in development for these young players. And I think they're doing it right. You see teams like Detroit, who I didn't think was all that close. They took some steps, but they weren't all that close. They're throwing out money. Right. I mean, you know, guys are getting four-year deals times, you know, almost $5 million per year. They're getting a little silly with the money, but they also, same situation. They're not going to be paying a lot of these young guys yet. So, um, yeah, I think for Buffalo, the big thing will be nice signings. I don't think they're going to add, and Kevin Adams said as much, I don't think they're going to make a huge splash. You know, Azam Kadri, I'd be shocked if he would be a guy they'd add. or yeah. And Johnny Goudreau's down to a couple of teams here. Um, but I – I like some depth options here, and then you see how you don't want to take away minutes from from some of the bigger players. No, I mean, I, you know, you could potentially look at one of those free agents, but at the same time, as you said, you don't want to tie up endless amounts of cash for guys down the road that you think could ultimately be better than those players that you bring in. Okay, so the Buffalo Sabres play in the Atlantic Division. Uh, suddenly, John Laddick, the Atlantic Division has become <laughs> maybe the mecca of the NHL, and they've gotten a significant amount of great free agents. But I want to I want to circle back to a point that you made at the beginning of the show, and I want to settle in on this specifically because I think there are two ways to build a team in hockey. It's the from the ground up method, as I think the Buffalo Sabres have been doing. Right, you get your goaltenders from the draft, you get your stud defensemen from the draft. You try to trade for maybe a couple of individuals like a Jeff Skinner or a Kyle Oposo that you think will be there to be depth scorers, but you build, and it's painful, and it takes years. And if you're a Sabres fan, you get gray hair easily. And then there's the just throwing money at a wall and hoping it sticks. And everyone in today is going to call the winner of free agency the Ottawa Senators. They get Claude Giroux, they get Alex Dabrinkit to pair with all of these incredible forwards that they think are going to be young i would caution i would caution people if you're an ottawa fan if you're a fan of someone who got a big free agent to think this who's the last team that won free agency that's also the winner of the stanley cup you can't find one and 
a lot of people were recording this podcast. It's five ten. Johnny Gaudreau, Nazem Kadri haven't signed yet. You look at all these teams. It's interesting and, you mentioned that name. And, and you think to and you think to yourself, well, why aren't they signed yet? It's getting a lot harder in the NHL, at least to me, to sign individuals to long-term contracts, especially knowing how much talent there is, A, in the draft, and B, with depth players. And the one thing we've seen in the last few years is you can't win a Stanley Cup with only top six. So when you make the, whatever you make of this free agency situation, John Leidick, what has stood out to you the most about how it's gone down? Because it seemed like we got a, a flux, an influx of signees early on, and now it's a bit of a waiting game as to how the rest of this will play out. Well, just to go off the Johnny Goudreau, how about this rumor just dropping recently? And I think it was Frank Cervelli. Let me find the uh, the official tweet here. There's you been there's been Goudreau. Rumors, never know so. what to make of things you hear, but rumored offer from Columbus for <laughs> Goudreau involving seven years times twelve million per. Uh, interesting. Same wow. total, eighty-four million of what was reported on the table in Calgary would be quite a twist. Now, again, that's not saying a deal's close. They still think it's down to New Jersey and the Islanders, but I just thought interesting to pass along. Um, it, it's interesting because it, it's almost like, and I, I, it almost reminds me of when they got within an overtime goal away from going to the Stanley Cup in 2017. They built up this roster. They had Eric Carlson there that was their own, but they added pieces from the outside of the organization, Derek Broussard's and others. And then look what happened. They fall off the map. They were building all these young players, the Emil, uh, the, the the Branstroms, Eric Branstrom, and, and some of these young, young guys, Colin White, Alex Forment, and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, now they want to add. Now, not uh, by no means. I, Claude Giroux, I think, is a great signing. Still only 34, can produce at a high-level, great face-off guy. Alex Dabrinkit, you know you're getting a 40-goal scorer. Yeah. And, and for what they gave up, tremendous. Um, but to try and fit all those pieces together... They're another team, though. I mean, like, you look at – it's the almighty question, and I think it still uh, seems true with Pittsburgh. What is their goaltending? I mean, Anton For, uh, Forberg and, and – uh, I'm trying to uh, – the, the other goaltender they have right now, they got Cam Talbot. Yeah. I don't think – I mean, Cam Talbot's bounced around from Edmonton to Minnesota for a reason, and now to Ottawa. Like, these guys aren't secure guys that are elite goaltenders – Add a lot. If if you can't play solid defense, they've added up front. We've seen what that's done in, in, in another Canadian team in Edmonton. You can have all the goal scoring in the world, but yeah. until you have the defense to shut teams down in the pivotal moments of playoff time, I, I between them and, and some of the money Detroit's thrown around today, it's been kind of interesting. Well, and and you make a good point with Detroit. I was about to reference them as one of the teams that's made a big splash. This free agency offseason has been interesting because what's the one position that has not been available? It's goaltending. Mm -hmm. So when you look at a team like Ottawa and you look at a team like Detroit and and you see what they've been able to acquire, and I think Cam Talbot's a suitable goalie, but I don't think he's going to win you a Stanley Cup. Goaltending is, to me, has to be a big part of your equation when you're going to add or subtract. And when you look at Ottawa and Detroit and you say, all right, Cam Talbot is serviceable but not going to get you very far. I mean, Detroit's got Ville Husso, but not nothing that you would sneeze at as anything significant. And I think what we're starting to see in this free agency period is teams that are desperate and teams that are organized. Let's look at 
uh, and compare Ottawa and Detroit versus Tampa and Pittsburgh. You know, two of the most recent Stanley Cup winners, both teams who have won back-to-back Stanley Cups. What do they do in Tampa and Pittsburgh? Well, the Lightning give three guys eight-year extensions at the same time. Mikhail Sergachev, Anthony Sorelli, and Eric Chernak, two former Erie Otters. They don't try to go and splurge on a big free agent. Pittsburgh, they get Jan uh, Ruda from Tampa Bay, but he's not a significant signing on the back end. You re-sign Malkin, you re-sign Raquel, you re-sign Latang, and you re-sign Rust. Teams, I think, when they have success, understand that being the big fish on this day isn't the most important. And I think what we're starting to see in the NHL is almost what we're seeing in the NFL. What happened when Tyree Kill signed that massive contract with Miami? We saw a slew of receivers demand gigantic contracts, and it's tied up a lot of teams in the NFL with salary cap. They can't get anybody else. Could be the same in the NHL. We're seeing guys get these massive contracts on teams that aren't that great. Again, a big one, you look at Vinny Trocek for seven years, whether it's Claude Giroux. Eric Gabranson for Columbus gets four years at $4 million, probably a bottom bottom two defenseman at five and six. And if you're Johnny Gaudreau or if you're Nazem Kadri or you're one of those guys, you're thinking to yourself, I'm screwed. I don't think they're going to be able to get to this championship contending team. And, you know, if you're one of those big free agents, what do you do? Because I think what we've seen is championship teams aren't willing to spend that big amount of money on big free agents. Well, I mean, you look at the past Stanley Cup champions in just the last, we'll go the last seven years dating back to the Penguins. They all have solidified, established cores. I mean, you look this year, it took a lot of pain, but you've got Landis Cog, you've got McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, they had Cal McCarr, they had Bowen Byram, they had Sam Girard, supplemented with other players that they added. Established core. Tampa Bay two years. We know about Kucherov, Sergachev. Now, Sergachev was a trade, so that wasn't their their drafted player. Yeah. But, um, you know, these guys were all there with Stamkos and others. Uh, Braden Points were all their own. Washington, Backstrom, Ovechkin, Carlson, all their own. The St. Louis Blues. Ryan O'Reilly would be the, the rare case there. Maybe they're a little bit more of a mismatched. Um, and then, obviously, the Penguins. If you don't have an established core, there's a reason the Penguins have made, and again, they haven't all been successful playoff runs, but there's a reason they've made the Stanley Cup playoffs for 16 straight seasons. They have an established core, and they just kept that core together. Who, who, if you could describe to me right now in in Ottawa, would would be considered the big three core? Brady Kachuk is the only name that really comes to mind. And he might not want to stay. Yeah, and and then you have in Detroit, Moritz Sider, who is just coming off. A rookie campaign, and then who else? Dylan Larkin? I, Who's I mean, regressed. Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, I don't think you can just piece it together and hope that it's all going to work. Other news we want to report to you, a Penguins acquisition, actually. Elliot Friedman reporting that Johan Larson, Capitals forward, bottom six guy, is heading to Pittsburgh. Don't know the details, but uh, Larson might be heading to a division rival from where he was at with Washington. Larson has had a rough last couple of years, was injured for part of the season, was scratched for the other part. Uh, just one goal, five assists in 2021-22. He had six goals, nine assists, 15 points with Arizona in 2021-22. Uh, bottom six guy, but 
the Penguins may be, John, trying to fill out some of their bottom six, knowing that they have their top six intact. Yeah, I, you know, and uh, Ron Hextel, speaking to the media now, says uh, the last two years give him faith that the current core will still has hockey left in it, and he has belief Penguins can still do some special things. Uh, safe to say that they will not carry nine defensemen. No. <laughs> so <laughs> out of the roster. But Johan Larson, hey, like we said, you're going to have to have those bottom six guys if you're going to want to win a Stanley Cup. Um, and, it, and, and I think the Penguins are safe to say that they just want to get things set and then start working towards the summer. Again, you're going to still need. If the Penguins, once again, do not come through next year with young guys coming in and starting to make contributions i think it's still going to be a failure of a season right um so you know anything they add now is going to be nice um and we'll see what what johan larson i can't imagine it's more than anywhere one and a half or less uh he wasn't making all that much last year um so i i think at this point the Penguins are probably set. You're not going to see much more from them this summer. Depth, the depth guys that'll be added, but beyond that, not much. But again, you're okay with the lack of fireworks as to what could have been the case today of Genny Malkin potentially ending up in a Caps jersey or a Rangers jersey or something other like that. Okay, before we end the podcast, I'm I'm curious. So far in this day today, John, in your uh, mind, what huh. team? Oh, you got something else. Uh, Hextall said he's looking to move uh, move one of the defensemen for a, a forward or a defenseman. He's looking to move a defenseman for a forward or a defenseman for futures. Hmm. So. That sounds like John Marino. Yeah. Yeah, because he's the youngest of the two that they're looking at between Marino and Pedersen. All right, so who do you think won the deadline? Or not deadline. Who do you think wins free agency today so far, John? I mean, a lot of teams that have received big players, but um, – not necessarily going to help their team a lot. In your mind, what team so far has won free agency? Is there one in particular that sticks out to you that says, all right, these moves are going to get them to a playoff contending or Stanley Cup contending point? I don't know if this team, it may surprise people, I don't know if it's going to make them a playoff contender, but I think it's setting their franchise up for the future would be Seattle. Uh, quiet signing in Justin Schultz. I don't think he's at a top four defenseman, but good. Andre Burakovsky, you add to that, and you go with Matty Beneers and Shane Wright. Um, what they've done this off season. Um, beyond that, I don't. It, it seems like it's a wash around the league. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the most active we've already mentioned in, in Detroit and Ottawa. Um, but looking over things, I mean, you know, Florida's added some very small pieces, and sometimes that's you know maybe all you need. Um, the Devils have added some pieces. If they get Goudreau, you know, you could say them later on tonight. But but I don't think anybody's like blown me away to this point. I think some teams have overpaid for some people. Correct. Um, you know, I, I would say Seattle, and then uh, getting Vinny Trocheck is big for uh, for the New York Rangers. I still think maybe they're a defenseman away. They still need to add in that front. And there's not many of those left, uh, but that could be a deadline thing come come uh, next next spring. Um, but uh, I would say Seattle as a surprise pick. Rangers is the most logical. You know, and and maybe Ottawa second there, just yeah. on who they added um, in the last week or so. Yeah, and, and I think those are good picks. By, by the way, I want to mention, too, on the Johnny Gaudreau speculation, Chuck Fletcher talking at the podium right now for the Philadelphia Flyers, and he says, I don't know how much I believe this, we were never in on Johnny Gaudreau. Who was that? 
Chuck Fletcher of the Chuck Flyers. Fletcher, yeah, uh, that uh, that doesn't seem very they, accurate they to me, be. but they I didn't mean, have a choice. I mean, Tampa's spending money well, they, they don't they have, have now, they have a choice. but <laughs> but they didn't have a choice because they signed and got, acquired so many free agents that regressed significantly last offseason. Right. All right, so I'm going to go with a team that didn't really sign anybody, and we talked about them a little bit ago. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning by far have the best free agency in who they signed on their team. I Correct, mean, yes. I mean, you, when you are able to sign guys, I think Sergachev was a little overpriced at eight years, $85 million for him. I don't know if he was worth that much at eight and a half, but when you can get Chernak and when you can get Sorelli and Nick Paul before the offseason began to be able to have him – Championship teams do championship teams, and Julian Breesbaugh, I think, has done a significant job with being able to keep his guys intact. Um, I also think, too, the Dallas Stars have are, are going to have a, a decent offseason when it comes to they just signed Colin Miller, according to Elliot Friedman, mm-hmm. on a two-year deal. He's coming back. It looks as if John Klingberg um, May come could also potentially come back. And I think that they have enough cap space to be able to also acquire a couple of oh. other individuals too. Hold on, Penguins also adding for a return former Penguin from uh, coming back from Edmonton, Josh Archibald. All right, so again another bottom six guy that the Penguins could potentially have. Uh, Archibald was on the team a few years ago. Was it was that the um, was that the early 2010s that he was on the team? He may have been around for the first cup. Okay, so regardless, he's. Um, he'll be with the team for the upcoming 2022-2022-3 season. So, all right, before we end this podcast, the two big names, Nazem Kadri, Johnny Gaudreau. John, who do you think will acquire, or I should say obtain, those players? Let's start with Nazem Kadri. Where is he going? See, the, the problem for me that's... Like Johnny Goudreau is going to be, I think we've, we've seen where that market's going. And I think I think it is going to be New Jersey. I think Lou Lamarillo um, swings and misses a lot more often than he, he, I think he's out of touch. So I'll go quickly with Johnny Goudreau where Nazem Kadri, I, I don't know how it works because they've got a lot of contracts, but I wouldn't be shocked if we're stunned all of a sudden he's back in a Colorado Avalanche uniform. Yeah, neither would I. All right, yeah, Johnny Gaudreau, you think to the to New, Jer- New Jersey. Yeah. All right, I'm going to I'm going to throw in a hammer here. I think Nazem Kadri goes to the Calgary Flames. Um I think with Gaudreau gone, I think especially if you're going to re-sign Matthew Kachuk, you need somebody there in the middle to be able to complement him and I think Kadri would be a perfect player. How fun would that make the Battle of Alberta coming up next season? If he could be in a, in a flame uniform, you get him and Zach Cassian squaring off in the uh, first round bout there. And, and I think I think only because Lula Morello worries that Matt Barzell will no longer be with the team if he doesn't acquire a big free agent, I think Johnny Gaudreau is going to go to the New York Islanders because I think the fallout from not acquiring a big name could be significant for New York. So I'll take the Islanders, but again, a busy first day of free agency. The Penguins able to acquire a couple of significant pieces, and of course, Evgeny Malkin resigns as well. John, you're laughing. Any final? Yeah, I, d- I just find it amazing. I mean, like, I, again, I don't want to project anything, but if you look at what Ron Hextall has done, <laughs> I mean, this guy could be in the running for GM of the year right now. Josh Archibald is a nice piece that has really developed his game under Connor McDavid, right. not playing with him, but under Connor McDavid in, in Edmonton. You add some speed there. Still a somewhat younger player, Johan Larson, and then you add Jan Ruda. And you could then flip one of these defensemen for futures in hopes that POJ takes the next. I mean, I, again, you, you're, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup in, in 
July 13th, but I am awfully impressed because we knew how challenging this offseason was going to be. You wondered when Hextall came in, there were rumors around that he was there to blow up the team and start a rebuild. Well, maybe he's able to do both at the same time. We'll see if Pittsburgh can somehow get across the finish line in 2022. Okay, that was day one of free agency. Still a lot more to come. Glad you were with us again on the Critical Eye podcast. We'll be back throughout the summer and, of course, the NFL season getting ready to start with training camp. And we'll have a podcast when the news on Deshaun Watson breaks, if he will be suspended and if for how long. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you back here very soon.